Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I feel like we have not been back in a while. Well, we took a little bit of a hiatus last week. Yeah, we did. But if you were listening, you got to hear our delightful Patrice Washington interview yet again, which is like one of our most popular episodes. So PatriceIsDope.com. Oh, we forgot. We're supposed to be like, you know, professional. This is Brown Ambition. (laughs) Again, I will say if you're clicking on the podcast from the iTunes and you see the title and our faces, you have all the information you need. No, so let's somebody, just jump right in there. Somebody might be listening by accident. The, yeah, by accident. Like, <laughs> what did they stumble onto? Well, you stumbled onto Brown Ambition, darn it. And I'm Tiffany, and that's Mandy. That's me, <laughs> Mandy Lee. <laughs> Is that your middle name for real? Lee to the wood to the rough to the. Um, yeah, Mandy Lee. That's oh, how you know I'm from Georgia. Oh, that is so cute, Mandy Lee. Actually, if you want, if I'm in trouble, it's Amanda Lee. Ooh. That sounds. That's when yeah. I really messed up. <laughs> that does sound like your mom needs business. That's name. when I've messed with the thermostat. Mentally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you were just in Florida at Col- yeah. at Colorcom. Yes, it was dope. dot com. It was. So I'd never been before. Um, they have it every year. It was this was its third year. They have it at the Ritz Carlton. I met a Brown Ambition listener, and if you're listening, I totally misplaced your name in my memory. But I just wanted to say thank you so much. You made my day by saying, "Wait, I know that voice. Brown Ambition with Mandy." <laughs> what a nice way to say you forgot something. I seem to have misplaced that memory. <laughs> I don't know where it went right now. I forgot. Honey. I'm gonna use that one. I'm really bad with names too. Yeah. No, but it was really dope because it was how of- how loud were you speaking? When? When she recognized your name from across the room or your no, no, voice. I was I was standing next to her. Like I oh. like her back was kind of to me and I was talking to someone and she turned around and she looked at me. She said, I know that voice. So yeah, it was great, honestly. I it was it's just a brown not brown ambition. Colorcom is uh women, women in communications, women of color in communication. So it wasn't just um, black women. There were Asian women. There were Spanish women. It was a nice um, cross-section. I would say it was majority black women, but definitely a cross-section. You could say they made a real effort to be inclusive of um, women of color. Yeah, I think Lisa Ling, who I love, she did Mm -hmm. the keynote last year. Yeah, she did. They always get really dope people. They, this year they had um, Ariana Huffington, and she really she resonated with so many of us because you know so many of us are still being super women in our lives, and she really talked about how that's dangerous. She's all about the sleep. That's what her entire book is yes. about. If you want, if you if you want to read her book, Thrive, it's a good book. But I can sum it up in one word, <laughs> two words: sleep more. Yeah, 
sleep more. She said that they're like, you know, that really in in order for us to be productive, you really are supposed to have seven to eight hours of sleep a night. How often do you think you get seven to eight hours of sleep a night? Um, how often? Let me see. I usually wake wake up involuntarily at like six or seven ish. Do I go to sleep by midnight? Mm, I would say, yeah, honestly, more unless I'm like on the road or whatever, like you know, speaking. I would say more often than not, I'm pretty good at getting to bed by I want to say latest midnight, and then like just kind of waking up by like six or seven in the morning. So. I would say I'm in that range. I might not, you know, hit eight, but I think six or seven is pretty at, pretty normal for me. What about you? I try to give myself like two nights a week where I get like five hours of sleep because it happens inevitably, especially like as I've had these early wake up calls for um, the CrossFit class. Mm-hmm. But for the most of the for the most of the week, I would say I'm getting at least six hours, and on the weekend, sometimes more, sometimes less. But yeah. I was out. My so shout out to my friend Frank who. He did the New York City triathlon yesterday. Okay. This is the same one. I did this one two years ago, but I did not do it in 100 degree heat in the middle of the day like he did. Yikes. So it was rough, but uh, it was fun. I got to, I went out there. I was out from like 7 a.m. because the race starts super early. And I kind of like, I biked up to the Bronx, which isn't super far from where we live right now. I biked over there so I could see him during the bike part of the race. And then I biked back home, dropped off the bike, and then went to Central Park and caught him during the run. And then I was running around. And by the end of it, like, I felt like I had run a triathlon. It was that hot. Yeah, I just, uh, this heat has been oppressive. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll stick my toe out there and I'm like, yeah, actually, I'll just go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you see a puddle with a weird brown girl face on it floating in Bryant Park, that's mine. It melts it off and floated away today yeah. when I went to the dentist. Oh, I went to the dentist today. Oh, gosh, you were an adult today. I hate adulting sometimes. Listen, my tooth didn't hurt, but now it does. Like, it wasn't hurting before I went to the dentist, but then they go in there with the little tools and they pick, poke and they prod yeah. and they F stuff up, and now my tooth hurts. I always hear people say that. They're like, you know what? Before I went to the dentist, I was fine. Now I'm not. I feel like the dentist, like, put something in here so I can come back. <laughs> well, here's my – here's my. I'm really kind of proud of myself because, you know, they always say get a second opinion when you go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And this actually – this was my second dentist visit in two months because I went – um, last month and the dentist, he didn't even look inside my mouth, but I was like, oh, my tooth has been hurting. So he took an x-ray, put it up on the screen and he was like, oh yeah, this tooth, it needs to come out. It's totally decaying. And I was like, okay. And then he's like, yeah, well we can take it out and then we can put, um, a bone implant in and that'll be $5,000. And oh, by the way, we can't do anesthesia. You have to be awake for the procedure. I mean, they can do local, but they can't put me under. And I was like, and he's like, well, let's schedule it right now. And I was like, huda, 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 ha, 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 like, let me, let me first see what my insurance will cover. And so I had to go, I went back and forth with hit with their receptionist to, she had to call the insurance company and get a quote. And that took like days. I think it took a full week before I heard back from her or she heard back from my insurer. And when I got the estimate, it was like total price, 5,000, you will owe $3,000. And I was like, okay, before I spend three grand on this tooth, let me get a second opinion. And so today was my second opinion. Um, and I went to a, I actually found this surgeon on Yelp. So shout mm. out to Yelp. But I went and he, first thing he did was poke and he looked inside my mouth. He did a bunch of tests, like kind of like, you know, bite on this, chew on that. Does that hurt? Blah, blah, blah. And then he poked it and that definitely hurt. And then he did an x-ray 
And he was like, you know, looking at your x-ray, I'm not super impressed by it and the fact that I don't think this tooth has to come out. And he like laid it out, not to get too technical, but he's like, you know, this doctor or this other dentist, I'm not going to say he was wrong, but he might have been too hasty. So let's take three steps back and send you back to a regular dentist and have them decide, like, see how bad the damage is. And if it's bad, then come back to me. Because he was like a surgeon. He's, he's, okay. he's the person who takes the tooth out. Okay. And the regular dentist is the one. See, I'm kind of working backwards because of this other dentist. Like, you're supposed to first go to the dentist to, like, get the diagnosis. And then mm-hmm. they refer you to a surgeon. Yeah. So, but I was, I felt, I felt relieved because he was like, I'm not going to say you, you're not going to lose a tooth. But I'm not, but I also feel like this, you don't want to make any, like, hasty decisions right now. Um, so I saved myself $3,000, hopefully. Yeah, no, honestly, sometimes I remember when I was in high school and like early college, like I was going to the dentist and every time I went, I had to get like 10 fillings. And I'm like, I'm not even eating that much candy. And it wasn't until I got older that I went to a dentist and he was like, what in the heck? He was like, where were you going before? I was like, what? He was like, some of these teeth have just like unnecessary feelings basically like the dentist basically padding his pockets by giving me mm. random yeah and i was like wow well you, you, don't, you don't think about it because if your yeah. insurance covers it you're like oh i'm not getting in charge for it then okay do the thing exactly and so that's what made me like wow and it just made me really like you said you know really um remember that i really should get a second opinion just because you know the census because i should have known i'm like five more cavities i just had five last time you know yeah well, I, there was a story in the New York Times just today, today being Monday, that was about how dentists, and I kind of, t- I brought this up to my dentist, which is kind of awkward, but it was about how dentists um, do too many x-rays sometimes, and you don't get charged. Like, you get your free annual x-ray every year, right, from the dentist, and your insurance covers it. And so whenever you go, the dentist will be like, oh, well, you get a free one, so go ahead and do it. But there are risks to getting the x-ray, like it's unnecessary, uh, unnecessary um radioactive, whatever the term is, going into your body, even though you have the protective suit or whatever. And basically the article talked about how you really, as an adult, with if you have good, healthy teeth, you only need one, one every 18 months instead of one every year. But dentists kind of do it because they can convince you to do it because it's free and then they'll mm-hmm. get the money from the insurer for doing it. Like they're that's, still going to get paid. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah, but if you're special like me and your tooth is all effed up, then you need special x-rays many times. Um, also, I want a refund for my other dentist because I feel like I was told I was told a lie that my teeth were perfect mm. for the past two years. And I have been going and I have been taking care of my teeth. But it was it was like a kind of a um, like a freak thing from a filling I had had like 10 years ago that wasn't that like came back to, I don't know, it started to decay or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, I guess the moral is to definitely go to more than one dentist if you feel like you're, if they're missing stuff. Yeah. And also too, if if you know your body better than anyone, don't let anyone tell you how you feel. If something does not feel right or just doesn't seem right and it's not in alignment with what they're saying, then keep pushing. I hear that so many times that people will find out, you know what? You were right. You do have this thing that's really wrong. Everybody was telling you, oh, it's nothing, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's hard. I think especially in today's like medical culture where everyone is like, if you go to the the regular doctor, like a primary care physician, it's like tons of people. The waiting room is packed. 
they're only seeing you for like 15 when my dent when my doctor sees me like i love her but she speaks like gilmore girls fast like and i'm like okay okay you know she's but it's because she has like so many other patients and i feel like they want the easy answer and, and it's hard to find doctors who will like take the time to really listen to you and yeah. that's when it's good to, I guess, see a specialist. Like this doc- like this dentist seeing a real specialist, he took his time. He was like putting me at ease. And I could tell he was like actually thinking really hard about the decision to yank a piece of someone's body out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas the other dentist was like, oh, we can do this. Do it all the time. Let's do it right now. $3,000, please. Exactly. I mean, I remember when I, I had to get a, a like a tooth. So who knows what I was supposed to get it. But I got like a tooth replaced and... They sent me to the specialist. He just like literally over my, he looked and was like, yeah. And I didn't, and at the time my dentist, he was terrible. He didn't tell me, I didn't know I was young. So I didn't know that you had to pay $75 for a guy to look in your mouth and say, yeah, this needs to come out. So when I got the bill, I'm like, what is this for? Cause my dentist didn't say, we're going to refer you to a specialist. You know, this is an additional cost. He just said, I'm going to have my guy come in and take a look. And I just said, okay. Cause you know what? I'm like 21. We're like, Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, and so that was such like an eye opener. It's just you just got to be on your cute P's. And, I was about to say Q's and P's, P's and Q's. <laughs> <laughs> it's really you got to read your insurance policy to really know what you're covering. And yeah, the like specialist costs more than a primary care physician. And if you get referred, like I always ask before because most doctors don't want to talk about the billing. And it's okay because they're not, they don't have the answers anyway. All the doctors do is do the thing that they're doing and they tell the billing department what they did. The billing department decides what codes to use and what to tell your insurer. And they're the ones who hold the answers to what things cost. And I don't think you should be shy at all about asking your, the bill, asking to be transferred to the billing department and then saying, I need to come in for XYZ. Can you tell me, like, give me an estimate of what my insurance would cover or what it would cost out of pocket? And they may like ho-hum and like, oh, we can't really tell until – and more complicated complicated procedures, like, yeah, they can't tell. Like if you're getting some, some sort of like surgical operation and things become complicated, then yeah, it can cost a lot more. But if you're going in for like a routine filling or an uh, MRI or an x-ray or something like that, they can pretty much tell you what the sticker price is going to be. Um, yeah, and that's our doctors. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And that's our extended talk about It's not dentistry. sexy, but come on, like medical <laughs> expenses. Like, are you, this is my first time, you know, love my new job, but I'm looking at my insurance policy and we have a deductible, like a thousand dollar deductible. Okay. Which, that means that I have to come out of pocket at least $1,000 before my insurance kicks in. Mm. So immediately I asked, I raised my hand and I was like, wait a second, do we have an FSA account and an FSA flex savings account? It's basically you can contribute money before your taxes are taken out of your paycheck. Okay. So you're saving like, I don't know, whatever percentage your tax rate is, 15, 20, 25% um, on those dollars. So I, and we didn't have one and shout out to my boss. He was like, no, we don't, but I'll add one now. Oh, that's Uh, awesome. Yeah, I think, and you don't think to, I mean, I work at a small company, so it's that, you know, I don't think it's that easy all the time, but I think companies, the best way to, have change, you know, at your company, if they don't offer stuff like FSAs is just to like raise your hand and ask, you know, maybe they overlooked it or didn't consider the additional costs of having these deductibles, but, um, it can't hurt to ask. It can never hurt to ask. What is somebody, um, I was on the phone with my friend Chike last night and he was like, if you don't ASK, you don't G E T. And it took me a while. And I was like, wait, ah, yeah, 
sometimes you don't ask, you don't get. But that's just good. <laughs> ask, ask, ask. Yes. It's been, you know, I've had to ask for a lot of stuff because when you work at a smaller company, like there's stuff that, you know, maybe they don't think about that you personally, you know, have thought about or have asked for. Um, I can, the FSA is like one of the most recent examples, but like, I don't know, plastic forks in the, in the cabinet, um, coffee for the coffee machine, stuff like that, like those little things. And I've had to have some, like, I think a lot, I've had to ask a lot of questions that I think people might feel awkward about generally, but if you don't do it, no one will. And then nothing ever gets better. Exactly. So what else is new? How was, um, when did I ever, I, did I share California? Deets. No, that's right. You were on vacation last week. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I would say the biggest highlight was definitely Universal Studios, which was awesome. Have you ever been to Universal Studios? Not since I was a wee little baby. <laughs> yeah, and I would have never. I'm not going to lie. So it's I want to so- go as a grown up, though. Oh, you should. Like, I'm going to tell you, Superman was like, whatever. I'm not going to even, like, love these rides. He was the biggest kid. Like, oh, my God, I love the Minions. <laughs> oh, my God, the Minions. I, I go hard for the Minions. The I, was a, I was a Minion for Halloween. Like, oh, you were? Oh, yeah, the Minions are, are, are awesome. But the ride was incredible. Like, who knew the Minion ride? I mean, he, he, Superman is 6'6". Six, six. He got out like... <sighs> Let's do it again. You probably could fit in there. I know. (laughs) But it was so much fun. I have to say, like, it was my second time going to Universal, but the first time I wasted it. Like, because I am not a, um, I'm not a roller coaster person. And the first time I I was in Florida speaking at an event, it was right next to Universal Studios. So the conference gave us, like, free passes or something. So I went, but... I didn't like go on any rides because I assumed that they were roller coasters and I'm afraid of roller coasters. So this time I went and I just was like, well, I'm with the fam. We'll just all do the roller coasters together. Then I realized they're not roller coasters. They're virtual rides where you basically sit in one place, but you feel like you're moving. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. So it just, so most of the rides are virtual. Some of them move a little bit like the Harry Potter ride definitely moves some. It was awesome. Um, The mummy ride. It was awesome. Uh, but most of it, you kind of just sit in a chair and the chair will move a little or shake a little or go up and down a little. But the virtual part has you feeling like you're like falling down into a wormhole or flying Ooh. sky. Yeah, it honestly, I can't even describe like it was awesome. It Any was awesome. tips on how much did it all cost? If you don't mind me sure. asking. No, I don't mind. It was a grip. Um, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was a hundred dollars. Like, well, Supergirl was $99 because she's a kid. So I'm like, oh, that's. That's what kids cost. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then for the adults, it was like one fifteen, and I think I found like a five dollar coupon for each of us off. But I was doing so much research to well, try you to know get. They it. started that surge pricing, like Uber. So during when demand for tickets at Universal Studios is high, they yeah. raise prices. Yeah. I wonder what it like. I don't know if it was because honestly, it wasn't. It wasn't packed. I I have to say like. No, we didn't wait more than 20 minutes for any ride. With Superman was like, oh my gosh, these lines. I'm like, what? Get your life. You clearly don't go to amusement parks. This is nothing. You don't go to Chipotle at noon in New <laughs> York City. <laughs> this is no, not a line. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, most of them we walk right up to. Like the the line would basically was like just the line to get on the ride. It wasn't like the line waiting for everyone else. Um, yeah, it was in the, the Harry Potter, um, I guess like Little World. Definitely better in Florida. Um, but it was dope in California too. Oh, really? I haven't been yet. Yeah, I have to say overall, I like the one in California better. But there were de- sections of the 
the Florida one that I like better. Like their Harry Potter world is is more convincing. Like literally with the way they do it, it's like you to enter the Harry Potter world, you slip through like a like a, a wall. Don't tell me, don't tell me. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, anyway, it's just dope. <laughs> Sorry, I freaked out a little bit. I'm waiting, I'm waiting with bated breath for my copy of the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child book that's coming out. Who's another one? Next week. Well, then you know how they're doing the play in London? Okay. They are releasing the play, like the script basically, as a book. Okay. So it's almost like an eighth Harry Potter book. It basically is an eighth Harry Potter book. And I told you where my brother and I are going to London to see this play, right? Yeah, you told me. That's awesome. So that we booked our Airbnb, which ended up costing us, it was about $900, but it would have cost us like 1500 minimum to do a hotel. So um, I'm looking forward to staying in this cool apartment. Um uh, yeah, I'll, if you guys have any cheap travel tips in London. Also, it's only a four-day trip, so l- let me know where I should go and what I should see. Mm. I'm excited. That's in September. London's not my favorite. I know people are like, I love London. I don't know. I've been twice, and I was just kind of like, it's expensive. <laughs> you know what it is about London? There's nothing wrong with it, but when I when I the t- the two times I've been, I was like, oh, cleaner New York. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know, so like another big city. <laughs> Yeah, it's just no, it's like it's a nice city, but it it just felt like a New York without like, you know, as much trash. And so I, I like when I go places to feel like, oh, I'm not in Kansas anymore, you know? And like London gave me like a, a feeling of famili- familiarity. I'm sure I'm saying it incorrectly cuz my tongue is giving me twisties, but um yeah. So London just made it felt like almost like home. So I was like, well, why am I spending all this money to feel like home? <laughs> that's when I that's when I moved to Chile after college. I moved to Santiago, Chile. And before I left, my mom was like, Do they live in huts down there? Like, where are you gonna be staying? My mother just God bless her, thinks that anything south anything not in America is like the third world. And I'm like, <laughs> uh no, it's Santiago. When I got off the flight, the first thing I saw was block was not Blockbuster, it was um Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts and KFC. And part of me was like, oh, because I'm like ready to go on this grand adventure in South America. And I'm like, oh, I can get a Domino's pizza if I get hungry. That's good. It's great. And like everyone there loves the American brand. So there's McDonald's Mm. and like, you know, all that stuff. It's hard. America has such a huge influence on the rest of the world. Um, It's hard to go anywhere and not feel like see those little businesses and stuff like that abroad. Yeah, you're right. You go someplace. You're like, oh. Well, we're going to make this a Harry Potter London trip. So uh, Westminster Abbey, I might come look at you. Uncle Ben, maybe you'll get a passing glance. But (laughs) (laughs) we only have four days. I need to be more like – I need to be more um, strategic with our sightseeing. I always get on one of those big – whenever I travel, I always do one of those double-decker buses, like buy that pass. Oh, yeah. You were talking about that before. I wonder what the cost in London. Have you done it there before? Mm -hmm, I did. What was it? it? I remember it just being comparable to like what it cost here. But you know how it's like it's a pass. It's good for three days, and when we would use it as like a a fake taxi, like okay, first day we just ride it all through. Second day we would just get off where we wanted to get off, and then third day usually we'd gift it to somebody. Oh, you can do that. Well, yeah, because you know it's like so they give you like this, re- this random long receipt thing, and it's basically good for three days. So I don't know if the same company owns the red double deck buses in um every country or most countries, but um. They're, it's usually the same thing. It's just hop on, hop off, and it's good for three days. But after day one or two, I'm usually good. And so, like, the, the last day that I'm using it, I usually give it to someone like, hey, you want it? It's still good for tomorrow because it's not like your name is on it, you know? And then does the hobo say they'd rather have a sandwich? 
<laughs> no, I don't give it to like the hobos. I give it to like the tourists. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen to you? I, I gave a, sorry to call them a hobo, but I gave a homeless person. Um, I was walking into Dwayne Reed and I was like, oh, you know, they have sandwiches in here. Can I grab you something for lunch? And he was like, man, I'm trying to get a Subway sandwich. I was like, well, then go stand outside a Subway. <laughs> like what? <laughs> New York City's, New York ah. City's homeless. Right. Or I remember one time um, a woman was like, uh, like, well, it was a homeless woman. She was outside and she was like, oh, it's so cold. I need socks. And I actually was headed to a place where I was donating socks. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're in luck. Here, new pack of new socks. She was like, oh, I actually want to pick out my own socks. So if you got money, I was like, girl, bye. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know she wasn't expecting me to have socks in my pocket. Seriously. (laughs) I didn't mean that literally, darling. Right? (laughs) Socks is figurative for our money. <laughs> hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Shall we we boost and break? Yes, I think I'm going to boost and boost. I thought you said you're going to boost, right? I'm going to boost, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to boost too. This will be a positive boosting episode. Yeah. You know what boosting means, though, in the hood, right? Like stealing something? Yeah, and then selling it. <laughs> I, I I got some street cred. Right? I don't sound like it. That's my mama from the Midwest, her influence. But uh, I've I've seen much. I've seen much in my young life. <laughs> so you want to go first with the boosting? Yeah. So this is something I've started doing the past couple of years, and you call me crazy. But I like to buy presents months in advance, like months before the actual occasion. I'm talking weddings, birthdays, Christmas. And I do this for a couple of reasons. One, because I don't like Christmas time coming around or, you know, September when everybody, all the New Year's babies have birthdays come around. And like all of a sudden you have 15 parties to go to and 15 gifts to give. And like it's really overwhelming budget wise. So. Mm I buy stuff months in advance and it's not just to save money so that I'm not spending a ton of money like all at one time at a certain time, excuse me, at a certain time of year. But it's like I have this, there's a halo effect I think when you buy gifts for other people where it just puts me in a really good mood. And that sounds really corny, I know, but it happened with the Hamilton tickets. So I bought those for my fiance back in September and up until like February when I finally cracked and told him what <laughs> what he was getting for his birthday, like it was so exciting to like have that secret and to keep imagining all the different ways I was going to tell him, none of which actually happened because I just spilled it to him, you know, on, like on the couch at home. But I don't know. It makes me feel so good to know that the surprise is coming and I just like knowing stuff other people don't know. Like you have no idea what's coming. You're going to love this. <laughs> 
And I was thinking about this because I, I bought my mom's – I hope if she's listening. I bought my mom's Christmas gift yesterday. And let me just tell you, she is going to flip <laughs> out. Oh, my God. I'm like – and it's so – like I'm just imagining her face and her reaction just right now. And it's given me so much of the feels. Um, she's going to love it. And it's going to be an experience for both of us to share. Anyway, so if you want to give yourself the happy feels or at least start preparing like – Think about what you're going to get so-and-so for Christmas in July. Um, I highly recommend it. That is all. That's my boost. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I can see that. Like, giving gifts. I'm the, I'm the word. Like, I enjoy giving gifts as far as the reaction. But I'm so bad at, like, pre-planning. Like, Superman's birthday is on August 3rd. And I'm like, wait. I should probably get his gifts soon. Yes, because if you don't, then it's the last minute and then you're running around and you're all stressed and then you're like, oh God, I got something. But like, you want to get the right thing. And I know what I want to get him too. I know like he, we were, um, he checked into the hospital. Like, I don't know. He like had some headaches and remember he had the aneurysm. So whenever he has like a bad headache, he's like going to the hospital, you know, just to be on the safe side. But it was ended up being nothing, but he had to go through the, um, that huge magnet thing. What is that thing called? Um, you know, it's like a circle, but it's a magnet. Anyway, so he had to take off his watch, and he left his favorite watch there. And by the time he remembered and he got went back and tried to call, of course, nobody saw it, which I thought was terrible. Oh, no. I know. At the hospital? At the hospital. They have a metal detector at the hospital? No, he he went through that MRI. That's what it was. Oh, oh. oh. I said the metal, I was like the circular the magnetic thing. <laughs> I know you were like, I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? The MRI, so he had to take off his watch, and yeah, so he was like really like you know down about it. And in my mind, I was thinking, meanwhile, that watch that was nothing but Jesus because that watch was given to him by his ex girlfriend. But you know, I'm not gonna tell you to give because I have stuff. <laughs> so you know, I was like, well, I mean, I feel bad, but not debit. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm gonna replace it, give him a nice watch, you know. And so that's what I want to get him for his um, birthday, but I have not done the search. I don't know what it is with men and their damn watches. No. They are so expensive. I guess it's like us and shoes, you know, I if guess. I can use gender stereotypes for a minute. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, and fiance has like legitimately seriously put, we have a, we share Pinterest boards, you know, so we can, when there's like a, you know, a holiday coming up, I like to look at his Pinterest board. What's, what is he like today? Or what's he looking at? Whatever. Um, it's a good way. I think it's a, nice, a smart way to like share ideas anyway he like seriously puts five thousand dollar watches on his pinterest board and i'm like <laughs> can we try more attainable goals like a puppy right or or a unicorn you're not getting a daggone five thousand dollar watch <laughs> seriously <laughs> no yeah so i'm gonna get him a nice watch Ooh. you okay Some, yeah it sounded like something fell hard downstairs <laughs> i didn't hear anybody scream so oh god I, Everybody's alive. So here is my boost. My boost is a little bit of fun. So, you know, we all know the last few weeks have been hard for Brown Ambition community. Um, just with all the violence and all the the police just stuff that's happening. Um, and just, you know, our community is just, it's a sad time. I'll say that. And a hard time. And so there's this woman. I don't know what her real name is, but um, she has kind of popped up from the from Instagram and she's hilarious. She's actually a young woman, but she's like an Instagram comedian. She's just a comedian and her videos she portrays this older woman named Charlene. 
S H I R L E E N. Shirlene. Yes. Shirlene. Sorry. Very sorry. And she is, when I say hilarious, hilarious. If anybody has ever gone to church, like Southern Baptist, just just in those any old black woman from church, that is Shirlene. She is sassy. She is funny. And you can't, you, it's hard to imagine this is actually a young woman because she has the clothes, the look, the mannerisms, the, the wig, just everything like an old black woman from church. And she, her videos, it's all clean. She doesn't curse in them. Um, she's clearly Christian um, because her, her, all of her um, comedy kind of like surrounds like church and stuff. But when I say hilarious, so if you kind of need a break from all of the doom and gloom, then head to her Instagram account. It's the Christ. Um, I show the I think Christ. It's the Christie show. Company. I think so too. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I said that, but I was like, wait. Anyway, it's spelled the Christ I show. But sure, it's, it's the Christie show. I'm like, it's spelled be- Christie with an I. That's what's yeah. happening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead and get you some Charlene or just hashtag Charlene. So if you need a little giggle, I'm telling you, you will get your life. She is everything. The Christie show on Instagram and hashtag Charlene. And um, you're going to get your life. You just will. Oh, and after that, you should look at the carefree black kids hashtag on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I did that that day you said it. And I, it was everything as well. Uh, any little silver linings in the tragic world we live in? Oh, let me tell you a little silver lining. So on my way back from Florida, I saw this like big, beefy guy. He looked like, what well, I don't know, like a um, bodybuilder almost. And I was sitting in like, this is a silver lining. Continue. (laughs) No, but then with him, it seemed like you ever look at people, you're like, oh, that's a different match. Because he was this big, beefy white guy. And he was with this skinny little, like black little boy, looked maybe like seven, eight years old. And I was wondering, I'm like, oh, what's their story? And so we ended up chatting and he said, oh, I'm a lawyer, which that took me by surprise because he legitimately looked like a professional wrestler. Like he was exploding out of his clothes, like as far as his muscles. And so he said, I'm a lawyer and... I'm taking, he's like, I was on my way to Newark to visit my family and I just finished the paperwork for this young kid right here. He's, um, he, he just found a foster family and they asked me, you know, since you're going to Newark anyway, can you take him? And his foster family will meet you at the airport. And I was like, oh, wow. That's for real? Awesome. Yeah. And it was just like, and the, like, honestly, this little boy was just like, so happy go lucky. Just, you know, little kids bopping around and playing with stuff and touching everything he's not supposed to touch, but being like, um, a kid, you know? Um, and so the guy was really great with him and he was just like, you know, so when you get to Newark, if you see balloons and a sign, it's for him. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't think anything of it. Like we were on the flight, we sat in different places. And then when I got off, I saw this family. It was a woman. She was white. Her husband was black and they had their, their daughter with them. And they were sitting on the steps kind of like, you know, like do-do-do-do waiting. And they had balloons and a sign that said like, you know, welcome home. I forget the little boy's name. And I walked up to them because he was still, I guess, waiting for his like luggage and stuff. And I said, are you waiting for like, as soon as I said, are you waiting for, they, the woman lit up and she was like, yes. And I said, he's on his way and he is so adorable. And she put like her hand to her heart and made that like only mom could make face, you know, you know, the face like, oh, my baby, that face. And it was just so, honestly, I just wanted to roll around and like the love they had for this little boy that they hadn't even met yet. How old was the boy? He looked to be about seven or eight years old. And they they were foster family or adopted? Yeah. Well, foster, I think, I don't know if they were, 
I don't know. They, that's what I thought was so great because it was his foster family. And, but it looked like, honestly, by the way they came out for him, that, you know, I would not be surprised if they didn't adopt him, like, you know, with time, you know? That's nice. You know, my big sister, um, she just, her and her wife just signed up for the, just like got onboarded into the foster system Good. in Wisconsin where they live. Um, and it's like, it's a long process. It takes like a year, mm-hmm. but they, they want to adopt really bad. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to share. Cause I wonder, I know with foster fostering is different than adoption and the process mm-hmm. takes a long time, but I'm going to have to, I'll have to pick her brain about like what it's actually like to foster a kid. Yeah. There's so many kids out there. Right. And you know, like, honestly, like, I mean, it's just, it doesn't take anything but a Google search to find out that black boys are the least mm-hmm. likely to be taken in, let alone black boys who are not babies. Yes. I made her promise to adopt a black boy. And I just, to see them be so excited about it and just to know that like, you know, who, I mean, I don't know his life and what he's been through. He, but just to know that like, at the very least at the onset with this connection with this family, that they were excited for him to come and, you know, had already like pulled out some of the stops and just, were just excited to meet him. I just wanted to like stay and like be a voyeur, but I was like, Tiffany, go home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do we have questions? We do have some questions, some good questions this week. I don't know if we're going to get to all three of them, but we're going to start and see how how much time it takes. Okay. The first question is from Jatim. Thank you for spelling your name phonetically for me. Um, Jatim is 25 years old. She said she's entering – she says, I'm entering my fourth year of earning a salary. I was a teacher, and now I'm starting a position with an education nonprofit. Mm -hmm. But my savings and retirement are not where I'd like them to be. Due to some moments in life, um, quote, this is a quote where ish got real. Um, it's actually really sad. So, um, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's sad. But those were her words. She says, my first year working for my employer, my employer matched 5% and my retirement was, um, after about, after interest and investing $1,800, it was over $4,400. But my son passed away at four weeks old due to SIDS. And I could not return to the home and city where I was living um, so far away from my family after such a traumatic event. So fast forward two years. I'm in my third year of working. I moved into a town, a townhouse, and used money from my emergency fund for my deposit. Then I got into a car accident, which wiped out my savings from all the rental car fees, medical copays, and other things. Now, July 2016, I only have about $200 in savings, more or less. And I still have that $4,800 in my retirement savings. My, ju- my new job does match 3% and the plan is interest yielding, but I'm still not sure about my next steps. Her question is, should I still contribute to my retirement since I don't have any savings or should I meet a savings goal and then contribute to my retirement? Jatim. Jatim, Jatim. I know it's not Charlene, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I say it's not possible to do both. I think it can be possible to do both. Um, I would say, so off the bat, her job is matching 3%. I would contribute at least 3%. You'd Agreed. have to sit down and do the math. Like how much is 3% and can you afford to set aside 3% of your retirement and additionally save um, for your emergency fund? If you can make it both work, like say you put 3% into your retirement fund and then 5% into a savings account, mm-hmm. if you can make that work, that's the ideal situation. 
Because you don't want to leave that money on the table. You I mean, don't. They're literally giving you money. Yeah. So that 3%, you should really strive to set aside that 3%. And I I don't think, I think a lot of people think that. Do you find that, Manny, that people are like, oh, one or, like, it's like winner takes all. And they're like, oh, I have debt and I want to say, which one should I do? And you're like, well, girl, I mean, both. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think it's the way you think about debt versus savings. She doesn't have any debt, doesn't okay. sound like. But I would say for this, like, you're getting 3% back on your money, so you don't want to leave that money on the table. But that money is going into retirement account that really is difficult to touch. And if you mm-hmm. do touch it, you're going to get hit with taxes, penalties, you know, ten. you can see 10% losses or more, probably more, by dipping into your emergency fund or dipping into your 401k and using that as an emergency fund. Yep. So I would say if it is that dire and you really cannot afford to do both, then I would suggest focusing on your savings because that's the money you're going to need to get one, like you said. I mean, weren't you so grateful you had that money when you got into a car accident? Like that's why you don't have credit card debt, which is amazing. Um, I would say focus on building that back up and um, before you focus on retirement, if you do the math and realize you can't make both work. Yeah. I mean, I think like, let's just say like for the sake of argument that you're like, okay, I have 4% of my income. I mean, then I would do two and 2% because I just feel really strongly that retirement should not be neglected just because eventually, you know, if you're fortunate enough, you get to an age where you're not able to work. And it's really like your younger self's job to look after your older self, because at some point you're going to be in a position where you cannot put the work in to support yourself just physically, you're not able. So, yeah. you know, and so, and also because putting aside for retirement really is, is a habit. Even if it's like, let's just say you can't fully match and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to do 1%. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't sacrifice um, retirement fully. Even if you can't do a whole lot, just getting into the habit of putting at least something away and slowly inching toward where you want to be, but work on both. I think another thing people struggle with is figuring out how much to save. And that's Mm -hmm. when you start the rules, like three months savings, three months of your income and expenses saved in an emergency fund or six months or a year. She did give us a clue. So it's hard to tell what her magic number should be for savings because we don't know exactly what her expenses are every month. But she does say that she had to put down $1,200 for a deposit for her townhouse, which I feel like that's probably her monthly payment. So you want to have at least what, three times 1200 is 3600 mm-hmm. So if you just make 3600 your savings goal and then find out how much you can contribute per month, you know, over how many months to get there, that's probably a good place to start. But don't feel like you need to have tens of thousands of dollars in your account before you can save for retirement. Yes, for sure. Because that's just not true. All right, Jatem, I hope you've helped. We're sending you love, Jatem. Jatem, it means I love you in French. So. I know. <laughs> well, okay. Parlez-vous français? <laughs> I was going to say un poquito. <laughs> Meanwhile, un peu, Spanish. Un peu, un peu. <laughs> okay, here's our next question. Okay. Uh, who wants to be anonymous? Here's what she said. She says, I'm a reformed mishandler of credit cards. I still have some debt, but I'm on fire with paying them off. And I've fallen in love with budgeting and being as debt-free as possible. Bless you, child. My initial thought around credit is that I don't want them at all. I was a Dave Ramsey girl. And of Mm -hmm. course, Dave Ramsey is all anti-credit. But lately, I've been hearing about how easy it is to have your, how easy it is to have your debit card compromised by fraud and the perks of credit card points and rewards. 
I'm slowly becoming a credit card user and paying it off week to week, but I'm terrified of having a relapse. So question, what are your thoughts on using a credit card for everything with the intention of just paying it off weekly versus going back to a debit card lifestyle? Also, how do you structure your spending on credit to make sure you do not carry a balance? Do you, we didn't do this one before? No, we haven't. Okay. No, just because that, that sounded so familiar. I am a Dave Ramsey girl, but that piece. Anyway, hey, Dave Ramsey girl. Brand spanking new. So I, I get this a lot in the, in the Dreamcatcher group. Like some people are like totally anti-credit card and some people are like, no, leave me alone. I love my credit card. I'm somewhere in the middle. I totally can understand why Dave Ramsey takes the stand against credit cards because so many people are their financial lives are honestly destroyed by the way they use credit cards. But I think that the attention is on the wrong thing. Credit cards are not bad or good. It's like a hammer. A hammer is just a tool. The person picks it up, they can build a house with that hammer or they can knock down a house with that hammer. It's the person who's using the hammer that decides. Same thing with credit cards. They're merely a tool. So if you're not sure if you're able to manage them well, then leave them alone. But if you think that you can, then you know, then you then you can use them. I I think we live in America and credit is one is it's it's a core financial system that we use here in America to navigate our personal finances and it's very difficult to get away from not using credit cards, it's not impossible. But for example, here's how I use my credit card. I have two credit cards, one of which I use specifically just to raise my credit score. It stays home. My Netflix charges it eight bucks a month or nine bucks, whatever Netflix is. And my bank account pays it off every month. So literally, I don't even know where that credit card is. It just gets paid off in full every single month. And then the other credit card I use for business um, I use it when I'm, it's a, a travel card. So whenever I'm booking a flight or a hotel or anything, I use that card because I want to earn points toward free flights. And most months I pay it off in full, but some months I wait a little bit because I might also use that card to buy books. So if someone says, hey, Tiffany, we want to order a thousand books for you, from you. So I might swipe a thousand books on my credit card. And when they pay me, I pay it off. And But it might not be till the next month. But I would say usually I don't carry a balance for more than a, a, um, a month or two. But for the most part, I pay my credit cards off in full every month. But so I, but I know there's some, one of my ex-boyfriend used to do this on his American Express card. He used to put all of his bills on it and then pay it off every single month. Now, I always say that's for like, that's, that's not for everybody. You have to really have the discipline to do so or else you're just going to have a huge bill and not know what to do with it. Yeah, you got to have the money to pay yes, the bill at the end of the month. Exactly. So I would just, if I was kind of like reformed and starting small, I, you know, if you, you could get yourself a credit card with a very low balance, put something really inexpensive on it and automate that payment like your Netflix or something just to keep your revolving credit kind of like open and rolling. You don't have to necessarily use it just knowing that like, okay, it's there and I'm building credit history by using this card responsibly, even though I'm not technically using it. Right. I mean, she does bring up the issue of fraud, which is yeah. true. It is a real risk. And while so say, let's say your debit card is hacked and mine has been before you lose a bunch of money, your bank will most likely pay you back, but it could take a couple days. And when it's cash money and you need that cash, it can really, um, it can really hurt. So in that regard, yeah, I think credit is sometimes the better option when you're shopping online or you're traveling abroad. Um, if you get hit by fraud, it's better to have it on credit than using a debit card. 
I have an issue with the whole points and reward system. It's great. Like, it's awesome. I personally use one credit card for my grocery shopping because I get 6% cash back. Mm -hmm. And I make like buku money over the year that pays off. Um, It has an annual fee, but I make way more than that in cash back than the fee. But I am a reformed mishandler of credit cards, like me, Mandy mm-hmm. Woodruff. I'm, I used to be really bad when I was in college. I would like max out the credit card and then it would, you know, I'd pay off 20 bucks so I could buy lunch. You know what I mean? Like, and it would constantly just be almost at the limit all the time. And I was paying okay. finance charges and late fees and stuff like that. Um, what I've done for myself now that I've slowly started using credit again in the past couple of years the key that I don't think people do is set yours like your credit limit is not how much money. Like that's not your real credit limit. Like mm-hmm. it's how much the bank says you can charge, which is great. But you should know you should never be maxing out your credit cards. And even less than that, you should be sitting down and figuring out what is the amount I can comfortably pay off every month and then make sure that you're not charging more than that amount on your credit card. And for me it was a certain amount. And so I I have my own personal Um, credit card limit in my head all the time. And when I get close to it, I'm like, okay, no more credit cards for the month because I know I need to have cash to pay it off at the end Mm -hmm. of the month. Um, I like what she said about paying it off weekly because I don't think people realize they can do that. Let's make payments on your credit card as you go. Yep. So if you get paid twice a month, you know, use half of one paycheck to pay half your bill. And then the next paycheck, use half to pay the whole bill so that you're not getting this huge payment all at one time. That can be smart. I do that. Oh, you do? Yeah. Like whenever, like sometimes like, you know, like I just, for example, just got a check in the mail from a client and I was like, oh, I forgot about this. So I might use that to say, okay, I just ordered books for somebody else. Let me put this toward the credit card real quick, just because, you know, or some, I've been one known to put like five, $20 just to start nibbling it down mm-hmm. when I was really learning how to pay off my credit cards. I've, you know, mishandled credit cards as well at one point in my life, but I'm grown up, you know, I've grown out of that now. I have um yeah, and you say you have a travel account, savings account for your travel. I have a savings account for my travel, and I have the money saved up, but I'll still charge it on credit so I can get too. the points, mm-hmm. and then I just pay it off immediately. Yep, so, I do that all the time. So if you use it as a tool, like I'm going to save up the cash to make these purchases, or I'm going to make sure I have enough set aside from each paycheck to afford these purchases, and then I'm going to use this credit card, and then I'm going to say, ha-ha, credit card companies, give me my points, and then yep. pay it off. <laughs> And then you don't pay any fees or interest, then that is the ideal way to use it. It is. Like I just got a um a notice from um my, my travel card um that I have enough points for my flight for a flight. And I was like, woohoo. So that's perfect. So me and Superman, I'm so what I try to do with my credit with my um flights is that when I'm speaking somewhere and someone's paying for my flight and hotel, I will use the points to say, Hey Superman, come with me because the hotel is already paid for. Oftentimes the food is paid for. So he just has to pay for like, you know, his own food if it's not like kind of like group eating. And um but it's like our it's like a little mini vacation that costs us next to nothing, you know? Yeah. I just booked my first flight with points on my new card, which was great. But again, I don't wanna like over um what do you call it? Like overstimulate, overgive, overshare. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
I don't want to give the wrong impression that credit cards are great because you can get points. No, like you should not be shopping for points because you're shop you're spending money to save money. Like that's yeah. stupid. It's dumb. Um, so don't use it that way. And I think it sounds like you know yourself pretty well, and you will you'll feel it when you start getting a relapse. I mean, it'll be easy to feel because you'll look at your statement at the end of the month and you don't have enough cash to pay it off. Yeah. If that happens, then I think it's time to pull back. Yep. Agreed. And do what Tiff said and just charge the one little account to it every month and you'll be building your credit and using it. It's going to be Without, working for you. Exactly. And just leave that card you. home. Like literally, you don't have to take it out. Like, okay, I still have this card, but I'm not technically well, like swiping. If she's as bad as I was and she has her numbers memorized. <laughs> you know what somebody did that I thought was really clever? Who was like a shopaholic. She posted in a group. She said, you know what? I called my credit card companies and told them I misplaced my cards. So that way she could start to like, well, misplace her card so she could do what I said. I said, you know, have your Netflix or some inexpensive bill charged to your card. But she had her card numbers memorized. So that's how she kind of was able to kind of start from scratch, like getting rid of those memorized cards to get a new one. Oh, oh, they get a new number. Oh, so mm-hmm. they would just send her a new card in the mail. Yep. I get it. I you know what I mean? It. And then she yeah. could leave it home and then, you know, like automatically charge something inexpensive to it, but not worrying like, oh, I have my card number memorized because this is a new card and new number. Yeah. It really is like an addiction. It is. Alcoholics hide bottles of gin. We know our credit card numbers by heart. (laughs) So I think we should slide on into some wins or book suggestions. What say you? I have a win. Although I did just finish reading a good book, but I'll do a win this week. Okay. Um, book. Okay, cool. So my win is my fave, fave, fave director of Dujour, Ava DuVernay. So remember I talked about how she was directing the new Queen Sugar series for the Mm -hmm. OWN Network? Mm -hmm. Well, while she was doing that, she just happened to have time to be filming a surprise documentary about incarceration in the United States, like just in her free time, you know, (laughs) like on her lunch break. And not only that, but this is this documentary about incarceration in America. It's called The 13th. Go online, Google it. Um, it's opening It's opening the New York Film Festival, which will make it the first documentary to ever open the film festival. And she'll be the first black woman director to ever open the film festival. Mm. No big deal. Um, so shout out to Ava for, I mean, you don't, she didn't have to do that. She could have been cashing her checks from Selma all this time and from her Barbie doll yep. <laughs> all this time and her Oprah checks. Like she was okay. But I think she went out of her way to direct this film. And the fact that it was done by a woman and a black woman at that, just awesome. So uh, I can't wait to check that documentary out in September. That's just awesome. You know, I, um, when I was at Essence, uh, my videographer is with me. He really wants to be a filmmaker and I think we were backstage, like, you know, at the concert, at the Essence Fest concert, and he was taping and he saw her and he was like, Tiffany, oh my God, I just saw Ava DuVernay. I said, you should talk to her. And he did. He said, he came back, he was like, oh my God, she was so nice. I told her that I'm a budding filmmaker and I love her work. And she told me, email you me some of your stuff and I'll give you a, an honest critique. How nice is that? And how, you know, she didn't, she could have just been like, okay, taking the comment and taking the compliment and kept it moving, you know? Mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, and I could just tell that he was like, is this real life? And I remember getting on him. I'm like, make sure you email her. Like, when do you, like, people don't do that. You know, people are busy. And so for her to say that to you, you know, I would not take that lightly. And I think he sent her his stuff. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of throw in there that she's also. because she gets it probably. Yeah. You know, and she's obviously but not spoken about it. She gets how some people just aren't, they don't have time for you. Some, a lot of people and some people need more help than others getting their work noticed. Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah, I was proud of him and I just thought she's so nice. So my, I'm not going to do a win. Instead, I'm going to do a book suggestion. So this is actually a stolen book suggestion from one of my favorite people on social media, Lovey. I'm awesomely Lovey. If you're not reading her blog, you're you're not reading. Then you're crazy. So we're Facebook friends. So, you know, I feel special. Um, And even though she's got 5,000 Facebook friends. Have I not asked you yet when you're going to have her on the podcast? Because you keep talking about how you're best friends and I'm like, prove it. Well, I didn't say we're best friends. (laughs) You're Facebook friends. (laughs) Uh, No, we're cool. But like, no, you're right. I'm going to ask her. Maybe. I just don't want to be I'm going to need you to work that connection a little bit. <laughs> she would, come on. I mean, she I, might take our job from us because people <laughs> might like her somewhat. Like, she's yeah, hilarious. She, she is hilarious. No, so she, um, she posted. She was like, you know, everybody, you know, is always asking kind of like what I'm reading. And she was like, I'm not always reading something super serious. I'm reading kind of like a fun summer book. And I was like, let me check this book out. It, it had good ratings on, um, on um, Amazon. It actually was really good. I read it. I took it with me. I think I was in, we were in California. I, I, whenever I travel, I like to bring a book because on, on the flight, I like to read on my Kindle. Oh my because, God. What is the book called? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the ending and the plot here and the characters. I'm like, what is it called? <laughs> the book is called The Perfect Find by Tia Williams. It is, it's not like, you know, like I said, it's a fun summer read. It's not a, you know, you're not going to change your, your life from this book. It's just something fun, light, but it's well-written. And it's like, it's a good, like fun, girly read. It's about a woman who used to be like in the fashion industry, like the top of her game. She and her fiance would ever break up. She kind of takes a break and comes back and tries to rebuild her life, falls in love with some young boy, but it's good. And so I suggest if you're looking for a fun summer read for when you're sitting at a flight on a flight or you're just chilling on the beach, The Perfect Find by Tia Williams, I think it's a good book. And if you have any book suggestions, I'm always looking for, I don't just read fun summer reads. Actually, like one of my favorite authors is, um, oh my goodness, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. So I like serious books. I like fun books. I like romance novels. I'm actually pretty widely read as far as like what I like. It all depends on my mood. We so believe you. Have- you. You know, if you've got, um, I know, right? Because I want to be like, ooh, that girl, she's one of those girls. Like, no, I read everything I do. I know how to read. Well, speaking of Malcolm Gladwell, <laughs> let's do a podcast plug because Mal- after you download our podcast, of course, um, you should definitely check out Malcolm Gladwell's new podcast called The Revisionist. Have you heard it yet? No. It, or The Re- the Revisionist Theory. It's really, it's really good. And it's only every week, so it's not a ton. Like, there's only three or four episodes so far, okay. so it's easy to catch up. But the first, he goes, he takes widely accepted ideas and turns them on their head. So the first episode, he talks about how America is the richest country, and yet it is so hard for a low-income person of color, young man of color, to get into a great school. And he goes and talks to this one kid who's just – Oh, his whole life, like his mother was an addict, you know, he's come from a poor community, uh, poor city in Los Angeles. And he needed like, and he got to the Ivy Leagues, or he got to a great private school, but he needed like serious intervention from very wealthy people to get him there. And he just sort of like, talks about how unfair it is. And it's it's awesome. So I recommend. Okay, no, I, I and I love that's what I like about Malcolm Gladwell is that First of all, he clearly has this like linear, not even linear, but this scientific mind, but he applies this scientific mind and principles to like just everyday ideas. So it makes something that like would normally be boring or whatever. He makes it so interesting. So yeah, I love it. All right, guys. I guess that's all we have for you this week. 
That was a lot, though. It was a lot. I mean, for the summertime, we came out all guns blazing. Wait, yeah, that's you... a bad analogy. We, oh, we came have... out all cylinders blazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's going to hell. <laughs> no. I do I'm not calling Miss Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys have any questions or comments, email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at the BA Podcast. Um, and we're on Facebook, Brown Ambition. All right, you guys take care. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.